Hello and welcome to The Unseen Shows, a new podcast series by Visual Artists Ireland. My name is Joanne Laws and I'm Features Editor of the Visual Artists News Sheet. This podcast series features interviews with artists whose exhibitions have been either cancelled, postponed or sealed behind closed doors due to the closure of all cultural venues in March in response to the coronavirus pandemic. The continued absence of physical encounters with art in public spaces has prompted us to find other ways of communicating with artists about their work. We feel that the distinctive pace and sensibility of the audio format provides a welcome break from excessive screen time that many of us are experiencing during lockdown. Given that we are disseminating these podcasts without accompanying visuals or moving image, technically these exhibitions will remain unseen. However, we hope these conversations will illuminate in other ways, making visible the rich inquiries that underpin each artist's wider practice. The final podcast in this series features an interview with Roisin White, whose solo exhibition was due to open in mid-April at Palace Projects. I spoke to Roisin via Zoom about the development of her practice as an emerging artist, including her research methods and future plans. So you were due to present a solo exhibition in Palace Projects and Studios, um, which has now been postponed until later in the year. Um, I was wondering if you might be able to offer some insights into the work you're planning to show. So maybe you could describe some of your plans for presentation and exhibition making. Um, Yeah, so it was a completely new body of work. the lovely thing about the artist-initiated projects is it is so, it's a really fast turnaround. Um, so I proposed um, a mostly sculptural body of work, um, which is quite new for me. Um, most mm-hmm. of the time I'm, I'm working with photography as the, the kind of core element. So I proposed this project that really centered around um, shapes and emotions and the kind of these shapes that had been popping up in my notebooks and in my work um, for the kind of a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided to like really just uh, go and, and investigate that. Um, I guess it's, it started with some sculptural work about six months ago um, mm-hmm. when I'd, I'd kind of finished a really intensive six months of um, photography and residencies and exhibitions. And I really just wanted to work with my hands. The project is going to be presented um, like a journey. Um, I wanted it to portray a kind of a, a sense of stress or a sense of the physical manifestation of what it's like to carry around a grief or a burden or a secret. And that's what these these shapes and these sculptures kind of where they came from. The people that have seen them, they kind of describe them as sort of my beasts. Like that's that's their word, not mine. But I I can complete I can understand that. The, the plan had been that you would the viewer would be kind of taken on a journey through the space where mm-hmm. they are confronted with these these beasts these shapes and then they are invited to think about what their their own shape might be what is the shape of the the feeling that you have in your chest when you're stressed um are you able to draw it write it down separate yourself from it um, and use that as a way to kind of dispel that emotion, that feeling. The kind of the whole making process for me was was that. It was it was trying to sort of agitate this shape um, out of myself so that mm-hmm. I could put it on a shelf, put it in the room next to me and walk away from it. So 
there's an element in the exhibition where where the viewer where the the audience can um interact with it they're they're invited to leave messages um leave things behind as a way to to shed these uh, these feelings and it was a, a quite a physical um task in making them but it was quite methodical and time consuming and just working that way was quite sort of mindful and uh, sort of exercise and sort of self-soothing um, that I found really helpful that I sometimes don't f- get from photography. It's Photography can be quite fast and in, compared to working in sculpture, it's, it's quite instantaneous. So working this way was, yeah, very cathartic. Mm. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about your your photographic practice, actually. Um, I know some of your previous bodies of work have drawn very heavily on um, archival materials, um, including the use of found photography, discarded imagery and ephemera. Um, So this in turn um, explores narratives linked to folklore and ritual, as well as medical and psychiatric histories. Um, and often this traces the impact of these forgotten historical practices on the body, particularly the female body. Um, so I think this research creates an extra layer of intrigue and seduction in your work beyond the aesthetic feel of uh, the photographs themselves, which are already powerful, um, because it anchors them within a specific context and historical narrative. Um, maybe you could discuss some of your research methods and how your how this might influence how you exhibit your photographs yeah so the i've worked with um so the first very large body of work i did i used i worked with a specific archive and they were photographs by um a photographer named elizabeth leblanc and that was a very specific context that those photographs came from and since then i've i've really worked predominantly with found material um i'm really drawn to the the anonymity of the images when I don't know their contextual um, information and I don't go looking for it either, usually um, I feel like they're kind of a blank canvas that I can, they're kind of characters and objects and locations that I can insert into a story. So that's how I, I kind of go about using them. So regarding my, my, kind of my research method um, and using the, the fan photographs within the within a body of work. I love, I, I've always been a collector. Um, I, I love get, getting old books from charity shops and um, I found some really weird gems um, on Etsy and in flea markets and eBay and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll just search sort of 1930s medical textbook um, and these are sight unseen you don't know if they're going to have photographs in them or not usually when you're buying um, uh, old books online so mm-hmm. these things arrive and then I, I, I'll, I'll dig through them and see what I can find so I might have a, a, a subject that I'm, I'm curious about um, and I kind of keep pulling the thread on it with my kind of most recent photographic project um, which was about folklore like that's it was as simple as that it started with I'm kind of curious about the way folklore has influenced my superstitious tendencies um (laughs) and that was just sort of a thread I kept pulling and I I kind of went back to I went back to looking at sort of changelings and sort of stories that we've been told as children and how they've kind of inserted themselves into our psyche but we don't even think about it half the time and then to use the photographs in in the project, 
I've, I find kind of images that will help to illustrate a point I'm trying to make because I don't, I don't always like to recreate everything. So there's a certain sort of texture and I'm looking at some of them now and they're in front of me on the wall in the studio. There's a texture is a kind of, it's the, it's the word I, that I always come back to the, um, in the found photographs that I just can't achieve in a new image. And then the kind of the magic of not knowing a lot of the information about them as well allows you to, to kind of wonder and, uh, and fill in the blanks sometimes. And maybe I could ask you, um, I know you've already mentioned um, a kind of a sculptural practice, but you mm-hmm. often uh, develop drawings um, and sculptures in parallel with your photographic images. Um, are you thinking necessarily about the relationship between objects and the photographic image, even in terms of how three-dimensional in- installations alter how an audience might encounter or engage with your work? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that sort of frustrated me um, when I started out with f- photography was I, f- I found this sort of straight photographic image quite flat. And I, I really railed against that. Sort of after making an image, I'd work back into it. I might draw, draw on top of the surface or mm. cut elements out, collaging things together, displaying things on non-conventional surfaces. And it, it does, it actually it comes back to this idea of texture and I guess this has been an idea that I've kind of been, I've been developing over the last few years. The solo show I had in the library project um, mm-hmm. was the first time I was able to actually do a large drawing on the wall of the gallery. And while it is like, it's a two-dimensional drawing, um, it felt very sculptural to me. Um, mm-hmm. And the sort of the idea of wall drawings and the drawings actually interacting with the photographs, I find very exciting. Um, I'm quite interested in this aspect of, being able to see the, the artist's hand in the work. Even sometimes it's like the little mistakes that have been left behind. Um, mm-hmm. These are these are things that I find uh, really intriguing. And that's what draws me into to other people's works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the drawing, the drawing just led itself into, into working, like kind of building up a surface. Um, in the same exhibition in the library project, we displayed some of the some of my notebooks as objects and um, mm-hmm. we met we block mounted them on wood and we displayed them on shelves so they were they were objects in their own right and this has been something that I've kind of continued using f- sort of objects with photographs or turning the photographs into something that can be moved and picked up and then it's really been that kind of set a spark in me that I wanted it to, to work more and more three-dimensionally. Um, in the last year, I've really been kind of honing in on the, the sort of types of sculpture that I find really interesting. Um, I've, I've working a lot with materials that are kind of unpredictable, um, things like expanding foam and um, <laughs> working with materials like jesmonite that I haven't found it, hadn't been able to find anyone else that had worked with it. So I kind of had to make it up as I went along. Um, <laughs> and it, my need for wanting to work with sculpture was because I wanted to take things off the wall. I didn't want them to be just um, kind of four walls, white cube kind of display. I wanted it to be so that you can walk around pieces, you're drawn into to corners and um, you're confronted by objects. But I, I've also worked with really, I also work with really small things. In 
the Photo Ireland Festival last summer, um, yeah, 2019, as part of the exhibition with Parallel, um, I displayed a kind of cabinet of curiosities and a lot of that was found material, found mm. objects, um, but things as tiny as teeth um, that you have to go right up to um, to see and realise what you're looking at. Um, but also um, in the same context as a, a two metre wide print that you have to stand completely back from. I'm, I really want people to have to kind of come in and out and discover little things and kind of kind of work a little bit to reveal everything to the viewer. Some things might go totally unnoticed and others, you know, you might need to walk up to the wall and open a little door uh, mm-hmm. to see it. Um, and I find that really exciting. Um, do you have any preferences or thoughts um, about analog photography and that tradition uh, versus a more kind of immaterial practice um, with photographic images in the digital age? I like I myself work across digital and analog. It's usually like to it's usually to fulfill a certain purpose. I am by no means an expert in the darkroom. I'd love to be, but I haven't been able to give it the time it needs to be really good at it. Usually what I if I'm using if I'm working analog, um it's to kind of blur the lines in a in a project between sort of new work that's quite obviously digital and some of the found materials. So there's, there'll be pieces within the project that you're not sure what the source is. That's kind of the purpose it has served me kind of to date. Um, but I do, I do love experimenting with it. Um, uh, and I've actually spent most of the kind of lockdown period working with an instant camera. Something new, why not? I have it instantaneously. I'm out on a walk and I can have the photograph in my back pocket. But um, I completely understand people people have different preferences and people some people are really good um at one one or the other but in a almost purely like selfish way I'm really worried about how digital and immaterial um photography is I mean most most photographers are quite good at backing up and they'll print the important stuff mm-hmm. um but there there will be billions and billions of photographs that are going to be lost to technology I've been taught to have a very well catalogued Lightroom um, and it's everything is organized and I can find it but at the same time like if my hard drive goes it's gone it's backed up but I mean we all forget to back them up and how many of us have also lost like maybe two three years of photographs just because we got a new mobile phone and we always say, oh, I'll go back, I will take those photographs off that device, and then you can't. And I say this, it's from a selfish point of view, is because because I work with found material, it all comes from flea markets, it comes from family albums that people don't want anymore, that have been lost, that have been sold in estate sales. I'm not going to be able to find these photographs in 20 years that have been taken now, or taken in the last 20 years. I'm not going to find someone's iCloud password at a flea market and even when we are like printing photographs we're not um oh what's the word um we don't put the same level of importance on them when we know that there's another we can print another one um mm-hmm. I think especially the snapshots at the beginning of lockdown I just I set myself a ridiculous task of printing and 
making a scrapbook of every single image I was taking during quarantine and as well as photographs I'd saved from the internet and memes that I thought were, you know, funny from the day. And within about 10 days, I realized that not everything needs to be saved. And a lot of this, a lot of the images we take on our like handheld devices that we have with us all the time, we know they're throwaway. So we, they don't have to be very good. So I kind of abandoned that because it was just, I was take there was way too many photographs. So I'm, I'm now just sort of refining a bit, refining it a bit and making zines, um, which I'm thinking about a bit more and then just sending them to friends. Okay. Well, the, the last question I wanted to ask you really was just about your life and work as an emerging artist. Um, since you graduated from DIT in 2015 with a BA in photography, you've achieved an awful lot in this short time frame, as you mentioned, um, solo exhibitions, group exhibitions, photography festivals across Ireland and internationally. Um, and you've also been selected for a range of re- residencies and awards. So um, I just wanted to ask you whether you could discuss uh, some of the challenges of maintaining an art practice after college and maybe to kind of give insights into some of your ambitions or future plans. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is I'm quite good at, at self-motivating. Um, and that's really stood to me since I left college. Um, but um, it has been by no means easy. Um, I think the, the, the best piece of advice I received when finishing my BA was... At our, exhibi- at our graduate exhibition opening, Dragona Eurisic um, opened the, the show and she, mm-hmm. I'm sure she said plenty of other things, but the one nugget that stuck with me was that being an artist is spending the majority of your time doing admin. Mm-hmm. And if you can't handle that, you probably won't be able to make it as an artist. And while we all thought, God, that's really depressing. Why is she saying this to us? It was so true. And if you can mentally just get ready for the fact that a lot of this is going to be admin that's part of the work it's not as much a a shock so I mean yeah I spent a huge amount of time filling in application forms um, applying for competitions applying for um for opportunities but if you can sort of get around the fact that that is that's part of the work it's not all being out with your camera in the studio doing the fun part yeah when you can come around to that idea it makes it easier to to work into your schedule. The other thing I did when I when I finished college was I actually took a break from making photography. Um, I took a couple of months, probably close to a year, working on other things. Um, I I did a, a copper plate etching course. Um, I did an internship with Rua Red in sort of in their their young curators project. I did ceramics, I did um, a sculpture course in the evening in NCAD, and all of these things sort of prepared me to kind of go back to work. And I mean, that's not everybody's interests, um, but that was something that really stood to me that I could sort of open myself up to a much wider, a much wider kind of art world, what's happening in Dublin, what other skills can I bring into my photographic practice? Because um, that is still central. Um, mm-hmm. while, I, while it hasn't 
been at the forefront of what I've been doing for the last six months. It's absolutely informed the work and vice versa. Doing my ceramics has informed the way I photograph. That's that's brilliant, uh, Roisin. I'd like to thank you for your time today and the generous insights you've given to your work. I'd like to wish you the best for the evolution of your career as it continues to unfold. Um, And please do keep us posted about the new arrangements for the show at Palace in autumn. It will do, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. You have been listening to The Unseen Shows, a podcast series by Visual Artist Ireland. These podcast interviews have been published every two weeks on SoundCloud. Where possible, condensed versions of some of these interviews will be published in the Visual Artist News Sheet. Special thanks to our production editor, Christopher Steenson, for audio editing and the music for the podcast.